when you're the ultimate kind of alpha competitor, there is also some pettiness involved. Like, hey, just follow my Twitter account. I'm the most petty dude there is. Like, I, hey, I'm a good loser, but I'm a bad winner, and I will rub <laughs> that stuff in. And uh, and I I, res- I have nothing but respect for that. I love it. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another edition of the Chop Shop. Glad you're with us as we are in the week between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. And Mark Slareth is here with me. Mark, as we know, nothing ever happens that week. Oh, until (laughs) this week. Wait a minute. Yeah. Hold my beer. Sweet Lord, what is going on? We got a lot to get to. And let's get to former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores coming in hot with a flamethrower, filing a lawsuit against the NFL about allegations of racism. And Mark, if if you read the lawsuit, the allegations are, to put it mildly, stunning. There's no question about it. And I think, you know, you always looked at the situation, the hiring situations, and, you know, there's always been talk about systemic racism If these allegations are true, there's just, and and I have no reason to believe that they're not true. I mean, I've done, I've done several games um, with Miami and Brian Flores, man. That dude's a hell of a football coach and he's a stand-up dude. Um, And I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you what, you always, you always thought, well, you know, you you hope for the best, right? You hope for, hey, I hope it's, I hope there's not systemic racism. I hope they're giving guys legitimate opportunities. You know, you hear the story about Mike Tomlin's interview in Pittsburgh. And Mike Tomlin, the, the story behind that was, hey, it was a foregone conclusion. That job was either going to Ken Wisenhunt, the offensive coordinator, or Russ Grimm, the assistant head coach, O-line coach. And then Tomlin comes in, blows them away. They don't let them leave the building, essentially, after an right. eight-hour interview and say, you're our next head coach. That's the purpose of these interviews is to give guys to to allow yourself to be blown away. And if, in fact, which it certainly looks like, Bill Belichick trying to text Brian Dable, congratulating him on the job, and he's accidentally texting Brian Flores, and Brian is like, I haven't even interviewed yet. I don't interview for three days. I mean, Bill Belichick is as tied in as anybody, and obviously coach for the Giants forever. Dude, that's that is sickening to me. Yeah. It's sickening. Well, Bill Belichick, king of situational football, clown of the keyboard, I guess, is what we're saying here. Um, yeah, that part, if you read those texts, those are very disheartening, I guess, is the only way to do it. And, you know, here's Brian Flores thinking his former head coach is, is got his – and, and again, I want to be clear. We're not saying Bill Belichick is part of the situation. He just sort of tipped off Brian Flores accidentally to the fact that his interview was irrelevant which he probably knew anyway, you know? Right, and I don't even know. I mean, Bill Belichick, for all I know, somebody in the Giants organization say, hey, we're hiring Brian Dable. He thought he was texting Brian Dable saying Correct. congratulations. He didn't even, for all I know, he didn't even know that Brian Flores still had an interview set up. I mean, Correct. I'm sure he probably didn't. Bill Belichick probably isn't paying any attention to that stuff. And, you know, and then the other thing that really pissed me off, Trey, um, as a former player, the integrity of the league is really important to me and playing hard and, and doing those things and the sacrifices we make for players and as players, you know, that we put our bodies on the line for the product and, and we go out there and play for one another and the coaches, you know, grind like none other, that an owner has the audacity and the nerve to ask his head coach 
to pay his to try to pay off his head coach for losses at a hundred thousand dollars a clip. If that in fact is true, Stephen Ross, it's a privilege to play in the National Football League, to coach in the National Football League. It's a privilege to own a team in the National Football League. You do not deserve that privilege. If that is true, yeah. you don't you don't have enough integrity to own an NFL team. It that part, like literally, when I read it, it pissed me off because I know what the sacrifices I made to play in this league, and then all the players make to play in this league. That really, really pissed me off. Yeah, for, for those that haven't read the lawsuit yet, that part of it, and, when, and again, when, when Brian Flores went to Miami in 2019, everyone knew the phrase was tank for Tua, right? But players right. can't tank. Players can't tank. Organizations can tank. Coaches can tank by who they play, who they put in, who they don't allow to play. Players can't tank. Because if you do, you won't have a job. So everyone knew that the tank for Tua thing was real. And people had, had reported that Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, had told Brian Flores, don't worry about wins this year. Let's get our quarterback and then we'll, we'll figure it out from there. And that's bad enough. But the allegations now in the lawsuit are that Stephen Ross offered to pay Brian Flores an extra $100,000 for every loss the Dolphins suffered to ensure a better draft position. So they would get Tua Tonga Bailoa, whom they ended up getting anyway because Jarborough had the season of the ages for LSU. And we'll talk about him in a minute. He's on the precipice of doing something that no one has ever done before, win a Heisman Trophy, a national championship, and a Super Bowl. And they ended up he ends up going number one in the world with the Cincinnati Bengals. So they end up getting the guy they wanted anyway, despite the fact that Brian Flores said, F this. And you could tell by the way his team played, they responded to him. They got blown out the first couple weeks of the season. And Flores was ticked. And if you remember that season, the 2019 season, the Dolphins went into Foxborough week 17 and beat the Patriots with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback. That knocked the Patriots out of the two seed and into wildcard weekend and allowed the Chiefs to get the number two seed that weekend, which ended up giving them the first of their four straight home field advantages for the AFC championship game when Baltimore was knocked out by Tennessee. So when you talk about integrity, you have the allegations of Stephen Ross trying to buy losses and Brian Flores saying, no way. And I'm going to compete so hard that it flipped the script of, of how the postseason played out and really allowed Kansas City to get their first Super Bowl in 50 years. Yeah, it almost reminds me, you know, of the movie Major League where the yeah. owner yeah. lady, you know, they had the little the little chart where they kept ripping off clothes on her. Yep. It was it was us against the owner. And you you felt I mean, you could literally feel that kind of connection they had. And um I hope that Brian Flores makes a truckload of money. Uh, I hope he gets another opportunity to coach in this league. I doubt and it. And I hope this is – yeah, I do too. And I hope this is the catalytic event that changes the way that, that the NFL operates if, in fact, all these allegations are true. And, again, yeah. I, have no, I have no reason to believe they're not true. Correct. I really don't. And, and if that's the case, he'll go down as the Kurt Flood of NFL coaches. For those yes. that don't know Major League Baseball, Kurt Flood was an outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals who was traded to the Phillies – and didn't want to go. But because of the reserve clause in baseball contracts, basically said, even if you leave the team, we still retain your rights. And he went and challenged that in Supreme Court. He eventually lost the case, uh, but eventually it led the way to baseball free agency. Kurt Flood sacrificed his entire baseball playing career so that mm -hmm. every other player in Major League Baseball 
could have free agency and make the kind of money and choose where they want to go when their contract is run out. That's essentially what Brian Flores is doing. And, and look, we've had situations before just this season where unseemly things have come up in the NFL, the John Gruden email scandal, where it was the Washington football team and Bruce Allen and John Gruden was essentially a sacrificial lamb. Well, no one's talking about that anymore, right? No one's talking mm. about that anymore. This one, I don't think is going to go away that quietly. Uh, as we're taping this episode of The Chop Shop, he's set to appear 7 o'clock tomorrow morning on CBS uh, Morning News Show uh, with Nate Burleson, uh, among the other people he'll be talking to. This one, I think, is going to stick way more than the NFL is hoping it's going to because we, you know, we should be talking about all these wonderful things in the great championship games uh, that we had, the Super Bowl that we're prepping up to. This one I don't think is going away quietly. This was Brian Flores basically saying, uh, I choose violence and I choose to lay down whatever career I may have uh, to make sure that we finally get equality in terms of these interviews. And people say, well, wait a minute, there are people are doing this. And right now there's one African-American head coach in the NFL, is what you said, Mike Tomlin. And just to explain how ridiculous that is, and I want to be clear, I have nothing against Josh McDaniel, Okay. He was mm-hmm. terrible as an Broncos head coach. We can all agree to that, right? Right. Okay, then he goes back to New England, has an offer to go be the Indianapolis Colts head coach, turns away at the last second, leaves them high and dry. They bring in Frank Reich, which has turned out pretty, pretty well for them. And now he gets a second opportunity. Let me just show you Jim Caldwell's record as the head coach of the uh, Detroit Lions. He took, he took over for Tony Dungy in Indianapolis, took them to a Super Bowl, uh, then had another playoff run. Peyton Manning got hurt, uh, didn't play the entire season after that in 2011, and he got fired. He goes to Detroit, and in four years, his record in Detroit is 11 and 5, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, and 9 and 7. Let me repeat that 11 and 5, uh, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, and 9 and 7 in Detroit. And yes. he can't find another job in the NFL. Matt Patricia, you want to hear his record in Detroit? When he came over from New England, six and ten, three twelve and one, and four and seven before he was fi- finally fired. Don't mm. tell me that these guys aren't getting second and third opportunities when other coaches, qualified coaches, are not getting those same opportunities. David Culley this year for the Houston Texans didn't last a calendar year, and David, a very well-known, respected assistant coach in the NFL, African American man for a lot of years knew what he was stepping into because you only get 32 of these jobs, okay? Right. And basically, because of the Deshaun Watson situation mm-hmm. and complete ineptitude top to bottom in the Texans organization, he took it anyway, and the Texans said, hey, David, thanks for doing that for us, but yeah, you're fired even though we wouldn't let you play your quarterback for a variety of reasons that make perfect sense and understandable. But if you're going to do that to a head coach, you've got to give him a second season. And they said, no, we're out of here. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, and it goes on and on and on. And so we'll see exactly how it plays out, Trey. And and uh, like I said, hey, man, if, if those allegations are true, Stephen Ross shouldn't be like anybody who like who is found guilty of those kind of allegations. You, you shouldn't have the right. It's a privilege, and you yeah. shouldn't be a part of this of this great league. And there's so there's, there's precedent. Kind of there's precedent here. Jerry Richardson is no longer the head coach. Yeah. Uh, the, excuse me, the owner of the uh, of the Carolina Panthers. Now you can right. say he decided to sell the team, but I'm sure the NFL, when looking at what was going on in there, was like, yeah, we need to make sure this is taken yeah. care of. So we'll we'll see what happens there. And oh, by the way, Stink, all of this happens on Tom Brady's 
actual retirement day when he makes the announcement. And I just want to say before we go any further, for everybody out there who was taking shots at Adam Schefter and was taking shots at Jeff Darlington, to quote you, go pound sand, okay? Mm -hmm. Because what they said on Saturday was 100% accurate. They didn't say Tom Brady was retiring Saturday. They didn't say there would be a press conference Sunday. They said, we have learned that Tom Brady is retiring. He is going to retire. And then when the Bucks said, well, he hasn't told that to us. And Tom said, well, I haven't made up my mind. And Don Yee, his agent said, uh, Tom will be the one that makes that decision. Adam Schefter was the one years ago on an October 2019 Monday Night Football game who said, I believe this is the last Monday Night Football game for Tom Brady in New England. Check. Correct. When he was finally leaving New England, it was Jeff Darlington who said all along, guys, you need to understand Tampa is a real player in all of this more than anybody is considered. Check. So when people come at those guys, you better come with receipts. And everybody that made fun of Adam and made fun of Jeff for factually and accurately getting scoops that any other reporter would die for, go pound sand because they had right. it right and you're just jealous that you didn't get it. Yeah, and the other thing that I found kind of comical is – well, Tom Brady has earned the right to break his own news. No. Really? No, no he hasn't. I mean, hey, Tom Brady's great, and he's going to break his news, and he's going to put down a 10,000-word essay and not actually thank anybody from New England. Well, I think that's part one. I believe from what I've, what I've been told, there's a phase two of this that's coming. Or, or, yeah, right. But let me just tell you this. As the ultimate competitor, and he is, Yes. when you're the ultimate kind of alpha competitor – there is also some pettiness involved. Like, hey, just 100%. follow my Twitter account. Yeah. I'm the most petty dude there is. Like, I, hey, I'm a good loser, but I'm a bad winner, and I will <laughs> rub that stuff in. And uh, and I I, res I have nothing but respect for that. I love it. Well, listen, to that point, there was a reason the picture he chose in his first Instagram retirement post was him in a Bucks uniform the night he went back to Foxborough and beat right. the Patriots. That wasn't a coincidence, okay? Right. Yeah. He chose that picture for a reason. And, and, and I just want to say one other thing about this, to your point about he deserves the right. No, no, no. I was having a, a text with a former player who I respect and I really uh -huh. like. And he, he, he said something to the effect of, I love Schefter and I love Darlington, but this is a – this is some bull crap, and this is the second time Schefter has ruined a retirement. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, that's like you saying, hey, this guy wants to go to the Super Bowl, and you're a defensive player, so if he wants to do it, you should just honor his request and not make a break on the ball and intercept it and not try to tackle right. it. It's the exact same thing. It's competition. It's competition to get the story. They got the story. Whether you like it or not is irrelevant because literally – that's what they're paid to do. Right. They're paid to get that scoop. And, and I'm 100% with you. Uh, it didn't bother me at all. I don't, I don't care. Hey, did it, did it take away any of the shine of, of Brady coming out and saying, man, I am done? Not for me, it didn't. Like, uh, hey, you, man. You think Tom's I, crying I, in his milk? Do you really yeah, think he is? I will, I will miss Tom Brady. <laughs> I mean, I, I, love, I love Tom you Brady. You call him the world's I greatest will, American. Yeah, but – like, do I think he deserves the right to break his own news? Hey, listen, hey if you're going to break your own news, break it earlier before Adam gets to it, because Adam is yeah. he's the intrepid reporter. Man. All, that dude all, is yeah. unbelievable. All these people that are salty at Adam and Jeff, you should be salty at the guy who told them what was about to happen, right? Right. Like this, the only way they knew is that someone in Tom's inner circle told them this is what's going to happen. It's yeah. that simple. So if you got if you got a problem with someone, 
don't have a problem with someone who breaks the news have a problem with someone who gave them the information that allowed them to break the news. You are correct. But, and, but besides that, let's move on from that. I took a list here, okay, of all the Tom Brady accounts. There, there's no debating. It's not a debate anymore. Right. It's, it's undeniable. If, if you're arguing against him being the greatest player of all time, you're just yelling into a hurricane and no one's going to listen to you. Here right. are some of the records that Tom Brady holds. Most passing yards, most passing touchdowns, most passing attempts, most completions, most wins as a starting quarterback, even though wins are not a quarterback stat. Uh, most 3,000-yard passing seasons, most 20 passing touchdown seasons, most quarterback starts, most games by quarterback, oldest to start and win a game, oldest player to start and win a game and win a Super Bowl, most Super Bowls, most Super Bowl appearances, most Super Bowl passing yards, most Super Bowl passing touchdowns, most Super Bowl passing completions, most Super Bowl passing attempts, most passing yards in a Super Bowl, most completions in a Super Bowl, most playoff wins, most playoff games, most playoff passing yards, most playoff passing touchdowns, most playoff passing completions, most playoff passing attempts, most games with a TD pass, most games with multiple TD passes, most games with three TD passes, most games with four TD passes, most games with two passing touchdowns. And it goes on and on and Dude. on and on Dude. and on. You know, we always we always joke around like to sit at the big boy table, you have to have at least yeah. two rings. Like to sit at the, Tom Brady's like got his own table. Like yeah. the and then there's the big boy table. Like right. he is in the Thanos chair, right? right? He's just hovering over everybody. Like it's not, it's not, it ain't close, man. It is not close. It's what he's been able to accomplish is absolutely amazing. Yeah, Just and amazing. It, and listen, talk about going out on top. He wanted to go somewhere else and prove he could still do it. In his first year, he wins a Super Bowl. He joins, of course, it makes perfect sense, the only two to do it, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, to be starting mm -hmm. a Super Bowl winning quarterback for two different teams. And right. in his final year in the league, at the age of 44, at the age of 44, he throws 44 touchdown passes and leads the league in touchdown passes and throws over 5,300 yards and leads the league in passing yards. Dude doesn't have anything else to prove to anybody. A tip of the cap for the most unbelievable yes. career we'll ever see. Uh, and we wish him all the best. I, well, do we wish him all? I, I wish him. I hope he gets fat and starts eating real ice cream <laughs> and like... I just want to see him schlubbing through the airport with his gut hanging over his pants that don't fit. Well, that's what I want to see. Three-day stubble, no, no uh, dimpled chin, the hair perfectly quaffed. Yeah. Maybe yeah, stick that's... with, like, old Milwaukee light or something. Yeah, I just want to see him look like a real human for once. Yeah, it's fair. All right, so yeah. we had to get those things off our chest because normally this is the quietest of weeks, and it couldn't be anything further from that. Uh, why don't we take a break, and when we come back on the Chop Shop, we'll talk about the things we were actually thought we were going to talk about, the games. Stay with us. We're coming right back. Hey, everybody. Here's a sneak peek in what you can learn by watching Trey's Trends each week on the Caesar Sportsbook social media and YouTube channels. The matchup for Super Bowl 56 is set. The NFL will crown a new champion for a 17th consecutive season when the Rams and Bengals square off at SoFi in Los Angeles Sunday, February 13th. Caesar Sportsbook has posted its odds for the 285th and most important game of the 2021 NFL campaign. The Rams opened as three and a half point favorites over the Bengals before moving to four and a half. The total for the game now 49 points. Recent Super Bowls have turned into dog shows, however. Underdogs are eight and six straight up and nine and five against the spread in the last 14 Super Bowls. That's the most outright wins for underdogs over a 14 game span in Super Bowl history. Though the Bucs defeated the Chiefs last February, AFC teams are 6-3 and three straight up and against the spread in the last nine Super Bowls. To begin the season, the Rams were 14-1 to win the Super Bowl, tying for the fourth lowest odds with the 49ers, Packers, and Ravens. The Bengals? Well, that's a different story. 
They began week one as 125 to one odds to win the Super Bowl, tying for the Jags and the Jets for the third longest odds. The Lions at 200 to one and the Texans were 250 to one. The last team to win with 125 to one or greater preseason odds and win it all was the Super Bowl in which the 1999 Rams, the greatest show on turf, took it home despite being 150 to one. Kurt Warner led that Rams squad to a title in his second NFL season, something that Joe Burrow is trying to do now for the Bengals. Find more of Trey's Trends at Caesar Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube with new episodes dropping every Friday. All right, back with you on the Chop Shop. Super Bowl 56 is set. We've got the Bengals and the Rams. Uh, dealer's choice. Where do you want to start? AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game? Let's go AFC. Let's okay. go with the AFC Championship game. What in the hell happened? What in the actual hell happened? Like, in the first half... Oh, I think I know, and it's, it's so sneaky of the Cincinnati Bengals. In the first mm-hmm. half... Mahomes had, I think, two incompletions, three touchdown passes. At one point, they were up 21 to three. And then I think before that final drive, the Bengals somehow sneaked Jackson Mahomes into Patrick Mahomes' uniform, and that changed right. the game. I, well, I don't know about that, but, <laughs> you know, one of the things that just struck me this weekend is something that Bill Belichick used to say all the time. And it was something I talked to Josh McDaniels about when I when I was talking to him earlier this season doing a Patriots game. You know, the belief that more games are lost than won. And you look at Andy Reid's decision not to challenge the first down, but to take a timeout and then to challenge the first down and lose that timeout. Correct. And then at the very end of the first half, when you've got a chance to double up, you throw that swing pass, that unexplicable swing pass that gets tackled by Tyree. Tyreek Hill gets tackled, yeah. and get no you points. don't get a chance at a field goal. Yeah. You get no points. So you should have gone in 24 to, to 3 or 28 to, to 3. 20, 24 to 10. 24 to 10. Oh, 24 to 10. You should have gone in at halftime with with a, a much, you know, a bigger lead, and and you kind of pissed it away, right? Yeah. And, Ultimately, you know, then you come out in the second half, and I think you had six plays and ended up punting. So you have a chance to double up, and you get nothing done in that game. And then ultimately, I kept thinking to myself, isn't this what cost you the game in the Super Bowl a year ago in Tampa? Yeah. Football hubris. So if you're going to sit in in two high safeties, you know, Mike Shanahan rings in my head. He's like, they're going to play us in two high safeties? We're going to bludgeon. We're going to bludgeon these people. And they were doing that in the first half. Jarek McKinnick was going off in the first half. Yeah, but we're just going to bludgeon them. We're going to make you play single high safety. Then we're going to take it over the top. And and if you're not, like, they're averaging six yards a carry. Yep. And it's almost at at the point where, well, yeah, but we don't, like, that's not how we like to win. Do you like to win? We like to win. Do you like to win? Yeah, Yeah. Right. I mean, we don't like to win that way. We want to throw the football. Hey, dude, if you're going to give me six yards of carry, you know what I'm going to do? Take it. I'm going to I'm going to take six yards of carry, and I am going to bludgeon you to the point where you can't rush my quarterback anymore because you're going to be so exhausted from picking yourself up off the ground. Like, you want to talk about colossal mismanagement of a football game. That is Andy Reid in the Super Bowl last year, in my opinion, yeah. and the AFC Championship this year. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to take one – 
slight disagreement with you. Okay. I believe that Andy, at the end of the first half specifically, I can't defend not running against the, the too high safety. They were dropping eight in coverage. Drop eight in coverage, yeah. run, get five yards of carry, keep the ball the entire time. Eventually they'll come up and you'll hit a play. So that, that one I can't disagree with you. I know that he said to Patrick Mahomes, if you have two shots in the end zone, you better make sure that second one goes out quick and it's into the end zone or out of the end zone. I, right. I got to put that squarely on Mahomes. And if you oh yeah, up, I, no, I agree. I yeah. totally agree with that take. I yeah. totally agree with that that opinion. There's yeah. no question that Mahomes had some type of brain fart that he just he couldn't literally couldn't overcome it. Like he played. Thank you. That may be the worst half of football I've ever watched Mahomes play. I'm with you because I, I've seen him lose and I've seen him play poorly. I've never seen him be tentative. And in the second half, Mark, he was tentative. It's all. It was almost as if. He couldn't believe how badly he botched the end of the first half, and he couldn't get past it. He couldn't mm-hmm. get past it mentally. And, and let's be clear. If they kick the field goal there, it's 24 to 10, which means when they're going down on the one good drive they had in the second half, their final drive when they took over with like eight, nine minutes to play, mm-hmm. all they need is a field goal to win, not a touchdown to win and a field goal to tie, which, by the way, he right. almost blew with a 17-yard sack and a fumble that – Tooney thankfully covered. Otherwise, the game is over before they even get a chance to put Butker on the field. So a game is like a river, right? It flows in a certain direction. But if you put a big stone in a river, it's going to divert. And that was the diversion point. And momentum, I swear to God, you know this better than anybody. It's real. If you – like the Bengals, when they escaped the end of the first half only being down 11, you know what they said to themselves? Well, shit, we were down 11 of these guys three weeks ago, and we, we kicked their ass in the second yeah. half. That's exactly what it was. And in both games, the Chiefs were up by 11 at the break and got three points in the second half, and they found a way to lose both to Cincinnati. And before people start jumping on us saying, why are you talking about the Chiefs and not the Bengals? Two things are true. Number one, the Bengals deserve the win because they did what was necessary to win. But number two, you look me in the eyes. You tell me you have Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead at home in a playoff game. The only person to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs at home at Arrowhead in a playoff game was Tom Brady in the 2018 AFC Championship game. So he has a distinct home field advantage there. Then you tell me he has an 18-point lead in the first half, 21-3. to Are you telling me you really believe Cincinnati's going to win that game? That That was the Chiefs' game to lose, and they lost it. Yeah, they found a way to lose it. And, and listen, I'm a, like I, I still have a tough time because, you know, I played in a time where the Bengals always had a bunch of first-rounders. They had more first-rounders on their roster than any other team in football. And at the same time, you're like, hey, death, taxes, and the Bengals suck. Those are the yep. things that I know to be true about the National Football League. So it's hard for me to wrap my head around the Bengals. But let me just say this. Joe Burrow is all balls. Yep. And – that dude is, you want to talk about swagger, you want to talk about confidence, and he probably single-handedly in that second half averted three, four, five sacks where he either scrambled for first downs or made a play with his arm for first downs where he was dead to rights by Kansas City, and they couldn't bring him down. And listen, man, I, I'm with you. I, I think it was more that Kansas City lost that game than Cincinnati won it, but... I am a huge Joe Burrow. I'm a big fan. That kid, that kid is special. And the reason why I don't think that's an insult, the Patriots won a lot of games and a few Super Bowls that way. Okay? Malcolm yeah. Butler. Malcolm Butler yeah. saw the play 
And Daryl Bevel still hasn't got an interview for a head coaching job because of the decision to throw it inside to his fourth best receiver on Super Bowl 49 instead of handing it off to Marshawn Lynch. And he runs free into the end zone and they win their second straight Super Bowl 31-28. So again, kudos to Joe Burrow. who mm. Like, I'll take the gift. I'll do what I need to do and you, you can't do what you need to do. And yeah. then in the NFC title game, we have Matthew Stafford and the Rams now potentially for the second straight year uh, we have, well, not potentially, we have a home team in the Super Bowl and a potentially mm -hmm. a home team winning a Super Bowl for the second straight year. Although I, I got to think Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay tried to out-dumb each other a little bit in that game. There, there were a lot yeah. of coaching mistakes that I could not understand. Yeah, that, there. I mean, it wasn't challenge flags by Sean McVay, it was wish flags. Yeah. Gosh, like, I wish that wasn't true. What, like, is this red, what is this red flag doing here? I'll just throw it. Right. Neither one of those yeah. things made any sense. None of them. Yeah, n none of them. And you're you're 100% right. And ultimately, what I've said a million times is the reason that Jimmy Garoppolo, and I love Jimmy. Jimmy's a great young man. He's a really good quarterback. But the the thing that is going to cost Jimmy his, his opportunity to be the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers is his propensity to three to four times a game, throw it to the other team. Yeah. And it's, it, it just is, it's a constant, it's a constant battle for him. And not only that, he'll make some mistakes along the way. He missed a wide open on a through route to Kittle early in that game that would have been easily, you know, a 20-yard completion. And the way Kittle runs with the ball after he catches it, that's, you know, I mean, he may break a tackle and take it to the house. You know how Kittle is. So yep. I just, like, there's there's those two or three throws where you're just like, what happened there? And then there's those two or three where you're just throwing it to the other team. Yep. And it's just a matter of whether they catch it or not. And uh, well, at the end of the game, that was, that was exactly what happened. Well, what you just said is very prophetic. Because while I'm thrilled for Matthew Stafford, and I'm happy for mm -hmm. him, and he's finally found success outside of Detroit. He made a game-ending play for his team, and yes. the team just didn't catch it. Like That throw down the middle where there's, I think, Van Jefferson on one side and Odell Beckham on the other, and he, it wasn't close to either receiver. I don't know if it was a miscommunication on the receiver's part. Jaquiski Tart was right there to literally pick off the ball and seal the game for San Francisco, and he just – I mean, Mark, it could – I don't know if I've ever seen an easier interception – for right. a defensive back, like he was just backpedaling. It was like a low, a low punt. It was just coming. It wasn't, and it wasn't like a missile punt. It was just coming in kind of soft, and he was right there, and he couldn't catch it. So while I'm happy for Matthew Stafford, and you know the storyline is going to be Matthew Stafford's redemption after all those years, he made the one play to cost his team the game, and, and they didn't catch it, and they couldn't capitalize. Yeah, Jaquan. I mean, that's on, that's up. that's honest. That's just honesty. Right. That's yeah. being honest yeah. about it. We can all be happy for Matthew and all this kind of stuff. He made the bonehead play that should have cost this team the, the championship. Yep. And, and Tart's hands are made of feet. And, um, <laughs> and that's that's what ends up happening to you when you got hands and feet. Uh, By the way, oh, the Shanahan gosh. decision to, to punt on fourth and two in the 45. What was your thought there? Yeah, you know what? That's it's it's interesting you ask because that's kind of the way he's played this whole playoff series, right? Yeah. He is yeah. he has bucked kind of the analytic the analytic uh, you know what what analytics tells you to do, and he's relied and and I think for him rightfully so. He looks at it like, hey man, we're not running the ball for two inches, therefore our play action really isn't working like it should. And my defense is playing really good football, and we have really limited 
this high potent, high potent, you know, a high potent, high efficient uh, Rams offense to to very few points. So I think he's playing his odds that way. I didn't really have a problem with it. I know the analytics would tell you to go for it in that situation, but I understand based upon how the day was going, um, and that's kind of how he's played the whole playoffs this season. You know, his last three playoff losses uh, as a head coach or an offensive coordinator are pretty bad. Like, yeah. he up 28-12 to 12 in, the, in the second half against the Patriots as the offensive coordinator for the Falcons' loss. Had a 10-point lead in fourth quarter, Super Bowl 54, lost. Had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game and lost. I, I, those, are, those, those are real questions for Kyle Shanahan, right? I, I think he's a great coach. I think he's a very innovative mm-hmm. coach. I think he's a long-term head coach in the NFL. But if we're being honest, those are questions he's got to figure out why those things are happening. Right. Yeah. I No question. And, you know, and you look at that Super Bowl when you're up on the New England Patriots and you get down to run the ball, you know, first and 10 at like 20 something. Third and one, run the ball. Third yeah. Third and one, run the ball. It's called a seven step drop. That changed everything with eight right. minutes to play. Yeah. And so there's just those decisions where you look at it and go, dude, just eat up the clock, go up by three scores and, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, hold the Lombardi trophy in your hand. Yeah. Some, some questionable, certainly some questionable calls there. So we'll get much more to the breakdown of the Super Bowl uh, ahead of us, but we just wanted to obviously had to deal with the major news ramifications of the day and set up what we thought about the conference championship games. Either the Bengals will win their first Super Bowl or the Rams will find a way to win their second. And that's what's going to play out at SoFi on February 13th. Buddy, always good talking to you, and we'll talk soon, all right? All right, bud. Talk to you later. See See you, buddy. buddy.